Hello and welcome to East Norfolk's very own politics podcast, In The Loop. After a short break, we're back with new topics, new guests, you get the deal. Today we're joined by Laura, Killian, Daisy and Amelia. I'm your host, Jared. And what, what do you think we should go for our first topic today? I think police culture misogyny, that's something that's been... Well, it's not really been massive in recent times, but I think it's something that we should probably talk about. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we've really got anything like on this, have we? Um, it, so the article that came out was because uh, the Metropolitan Police have denied force, denied that there was a culture of misogyny after that, the that was report, it, yeah, yeah. revealed shocking details of officers sharing messages about hitting and raping women, as well as the death of black babies and the Holocaust. So it's the Met Police just... Being the Met Police. Yeah, yeah just one Thanks. after another. So they're not institutionally racist. They don't have a culture of misogyny. Of course not. And 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 they do that. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you, President Dick and the Metropolitan Police. And I feel like the police is becoming more and more like America every day. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's becoming more Americanized. Oh, yeah. Another thing we should note is, yeah, the views represented by the students on this podcast are not representative in the slightest of the views of EN as an institution. It is just our own views, personally. Um, Pretty Patel has singled out the culture of the Met as an enduring problem. We're not letting them off the hook on this. And it, you know it's bad when Pretty Patel's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, honestly. When, when Pretty Patel takes the high ground, even though she drowns children in the English Channel. Yeah, yeah like, I... So I I'd say it's something. to deport yeah. to Albania. Um, and she's the one in the right. You definitely yeah, not like, doing too well. I am not a fan of Pretty Patel. I I've outlined have I uh, I've outlined this many a time. Not on this podcast, but just in discussions with family, friends. Not a fan of Pretty Patel. But when she's right about something, something needs sorting out. Honestly, like how how can you claim that you've got? Oh, there's no cult. There's no sort of misogyny there's no sort of racism in the police when, when stuff <laughs> when stuff like this comes out not really like crazy often but every now and again you'll have stuff like this come out and you'll just think there's got to be something that needs to change uh, these are people who are supposed to be in power do you actually think she'll do anything though because i feel like she's the top, like i don't think she'll actually take any action with this i know she's she's i don't i don't know because I don't know what they can do without... They'd ha- at some point, Cressida Dick has got to go. Be- she's not doing her role if mm. stuff like this keeps happening. And yeah. um, the messages were shared among a group of up to 19 officers with hateful and offensive remarks as part of um, the issue that Pretty Patel has marked that needs to be sorted out. Um, and some of these messages, which are via WhatsApp and Facebook, um, stuff, stuff like one male officer wrote to a female officer... I would happily rape you if I was single. If I was single, I would happily chloroform you. And that's between officers. Classy. Yeah. Hot. They say romance is dead. <laughs> and not only that, but you've got to remember, this is between officers. Imagine what is possibly happening between officers who have the power and regular people who don't. I'm glad they don't have guns. Well, this is between messages, yeah. isn't it? So it's probably like um, face to face. It'd probably say a lot worse. Another officer advocated violence. Getting a woman into bed is like spreading butter. It can be done with um, a bit of effort using a credit card, but it's quicker and easier if you use a knife. What? 
Wow. And these are these are metally soft. There's more. There are. I mean, two. I've I've never spread butter on toast with a credit card before. That's all I'll say. Uh-huh. Um, police officers wrote about attending a festival dressed as known sex offenders and a molested child. They're going out in public. I think I think the example is that someone dressed up as Jimmy Savile and went out and seen as this is coming out at the same time as Boris Johnson oh, accuses Keir Starmer of uh, being inf- like not charging Jimmy Savile even though that wasn't his job. Um, numerous messages about rape and raping each other were sent into two WhatsApp groups and one Facebook group. And another one officer messaged another saying he was going to attack his partner and wrote, swear to God, I'm going to smack her. So, and with the statistics of how many um, domestic violence, like domestic abusers, are police officers. It's not a joke. It's there's a significant chance that that person was actually a domestic violence abuser, and we just don't know who it is. Sorry, the law, like genuinely, it's just so effed up. Yeah, you're fine with that. Like, I don't understand how this happened. The fact that. I just, I just don't know. How are there not checks and balances for this stuff like that? This is literally people that are meant to be protecting us from these instances, and yet they're making jokes out of it, and yet they literally are part of it. I don't understand how this is like how this is their profession. I don't understand how they got into that profession in the first place. I it's to be honest, honestly, when I was younger, I always thought that English cops were actually pretty good, and and for the majority of my life, up until pretty much now, I thought the Engli- English policemen were actually really decent. And yeah. I had a very posi- and I positively viewed policing, but this has definitely changed that. And especially with the, we've had the statistics of sexual assault come out from Sarah Everard and from them just being released. And st- when stuff like this comes out in the press, and you realise that, like the amount of women that probably aren't reporting stuff because police officers act like this, why would you report such a personal and horrific attack when there's a chance that the policemen that you're reporting to have joked about raping other people mm. you just wouldn't and that means that so many people are going to go without justice simply because they're too scared to report it yeah it, you've just dissolved any sort of you know trust that people have in, in people in authority it's yeah. ridiculous it is it's it's really just disgusting and a slight topic shift here is the sad part is i don't think anything's going to get done with it really because It'll just be another one of those news stories that'll pop up and it'll stick around in people's minds for maybe a day or two and then it'll be gone again because Boris might have had another party or something and people will latch onto that and then they'll be like, Boris out, Boris out. And they just, they just forget like yeah. everything that's happened with the police and honestly... Or the Met Police are going to have another scandal and it's going to get forgotten. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably... Realistically, before precedent goes, there's going to be another scandal. Because this isn't going to top it, because th- this was pretty much the same as when Sarah Everard came... Like, when everything came out with the Met Police about Sarah Everard, it's the same police, it's the same issues, and nothing happened. And it's just going to happen again. There's go- there isn't going to be any justice for this. I think the only issues people can have is, like, it's not all cops, it's not all, or it's not all police, and it's not all police. But like the velocity and the amount of news articles that have come out about them, not just like now, but like within the past few months, are literally insane. Like, I don't know about you, but I haven't read this many before. Uh, The Met denied misogyny was a factor, and the spokesperson said, We do not believe there is a culture of misogyny in the Met. (laughs) 
And I do just want to elaborate on the whole not all police and the whole a few bad apples ruin the bunch because it really is a shame because I do think the police, there's so much potential for good and there are so many good police officers but it is true a few bad apples really does ruin the bunch and it tarnishes the name of the Met Police and it just makes you think if there are some out there who can I trust? Um, and also, it's not just... It's fe- female officers are not... If a, if a male officer is telling a female officer that they would happily rape them if they were single, how's that going to make any pol- female police officer feel? And when... It's a, it's a, it is a male-dominated industry. And I'm not saying girl-bossing the police would be... is the aim here. But... That it isn't the solution. No. Like, it, girl, it, boss. girl boss it. Don't even but worry about it. The amount of women that are not going en- to enter into the industry because of stuff like this, and that means that there's going to be more spaces available for men who have seen articles like this and seen it and realised that it is a route that could go. It's it's horrific for them. And um, female officers told us that they were treated as weary female, told it was part of police culture and that they should accept to play the game and stay quiet or leave. We also obtained evidence, this is from a Guardian article, we have also obtained evidence that reports of sexual harassment were not dealt with sensitively within the Metropolitan Police Service. So there isn't any resolve out of this. There's no way that female police officers can bring forward evidence of them being sexually harassed at work without being told it's just the way the police are. And if it's just the way the police are, reform needs to happen. Mm. I agree. Yeah. But the thing is that with with the US uh, police system, I can see so many ways in which report reform can happen. But because the police already don't have, but because the UK police system is so much is so different, what could they do to reform? Like, what kind of changes could be implemented? I think no matter what, the, the holding accountability needs to happen. I don't know how you can... The, the difficult bit is when it's people saying stuff, it's very difficult to prevent. You can't um, check beforehand. There's no like checks for people that have said stuff like this. But at least when it is said, they need to be held accountable. It needs to be understood that this isn't okay. Because I haven't seen one article or anything saying that these police officers um, have had anything happen to their jobs not one um, or that there's been any support for female officers put out it's just a thing of the Met Police just saying nothing is wrong leave us be leave us be for the fourth time and I think that's a big thing that needs to change absolutely and I, I don't really like playing sort of a game of hypotheticals here but just going into sort of the idea of a hypothetical what change would you like like to see no matter how unrealistic what changes would you say like to see to the system in the police? Defund them. Sensitivity training. Personally. No police at all. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay, I, I wouldn't go. I wouldn't. Do yeah, that I, I wouldn't go that far. But social but, security but Laura, sucks. Laura's idea of sensitivity training. Elaborate on that. I do quite like the idea just from um, the sound of it. Well, my mum offers. It's not the same as obviously misogyny, but she does offer co- uh, cultural sensitivity training to a lot of like workplaces and that seems to from what I've seen like they do actually tend to understand what's going on and they these workplaces that have had issues with that tend to actually realise especially because vast mostly like Yarmouth is quite dominated by immigrants and ethnic groups 
Um, so I think something like actual sensitivity training, be like being taught, um, being able to sympathise with women and the difficulties that women go through, I think that's actually, that should be actually something that should be heavily implemented in the process of becoming a police officer. I think ignorance is definitely the big thing. Not knowing the awareness behind it. Because like these people that are saying these statements, I don't reckon that they would say them if they'd heard stories. And I know that it gets very into the much of like when anything comes out about um, a woman who has been sexually assaulted and it goes quite public, especially with the Marcus, um, is it Marcus Greenford? Mason Greenford? Mason Greenwood. Mason Greenford and his My partner. He was like, you should suggest Mason Greenwood in your podcast. I was like, okay, keep going. Gregory Penford, but... Um, his um, when it was announced that uh, the crimes were against his girlfriend, a lot of people were going, "Oh, but she's someone's daughter, someone's sister, she's someone's someone. friend. She's someone. But it doesn't like, it, matter. It shouldn't. It shouldn't have to have that behind it. But these people were sympathising because they knew her story, and I think that a lot of these men, because it is men that are doing it. Realistically, I have ne- like. It isn't going to be women joking about raping other people in the Met. Um, but if they actually knew stories of how horrific these crimes were and how much it impacts these people, I don't think that they would joke about it in the way that they do, especially when they're joking about raping each other. But they're the police. They're the, they, they, of all people, should know. So that's yeah. the thing. Surely nobody else has seen it more than them, which is the most concerning part. Yeah, but I think it, when you're in that kind of position, do you not... If you see crimes day in, day out, and you become kind of, you know, like, pulled back from it emotionally to protect yourself, then you're not going to be able to break from that and be able to emotionally connect on that kind of level where you know, you'll be like able you to empathise with that kind of thing. Um, putting limited, oh, what's the word? Limited terms on 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 policemen would would help, like, like would they have they with, with politician? Yeah, like limited amount of times they can serve. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I know that uh, a lot of police stuff with like PTSD and stuff, and if they were to, and they can't go their whole lives like that, and maybe earlier pensions and things like that. Or retraining every sort of five ten years. Which yep. is yeah, really and, and, and just and one thing I would like to counter with that is. Yes, I understand the idea of a limit on terms, but we're already suffering somewhat of an officer shortage. How would that really help? My suggestion would probably be to sort of, as they, as officers sort of get further into their service and they see all these things, maybe try moving them more into sort of administrative roles within the service. Yeah. Or, or maybe even like those experienced in administrative roles sort of switch. I'm not sure how to explain it. I think, again, we've got a shortage of police officers. I think retraining is just the most realistic option. If, if Even if it's just little bits. Like, I have to retrain every five years to keep my job uh, as a sheriff. Why aren't the police having to be retrained when realistically my job is a lot less important? I think the only excuse I really have for that is like the cost of it but that you know you can't put a price yeah, on this kind of thing like just move move your money about mate like and a lot of these if we're giving 200 million pound deals <laughs> don't work out <laughs> i think we can afford to give some people a couple of powerpoints 
It's just a PowerPoint. Come on, how hard can it be? Yeah, or, or even, like, not even a PowerPoint. Let's say just, like, spend a bit more money, three-day course or something. That's all it really takes. Just, like, an upgraded PHSE lesson. Pretty exactly. much, yeah. That's that's all it really I, takes. I think, I, I mean, it's... It's a very, it's a very touchy subject, and trying to find a solution because the, realistically, the best option would be to get people to talk to victims about it. But you can't put that on victims. No, if they've no, they've been through enough, and it's horrific. I don't say survivors. Survivors of sexual assault um, should not um, have to expose their own stories just so people don't joke about their experiences. Definitely, yeah. Right. Um, Moving on now, but still somewhat sticking on the topic of women's rights. Um, In the email we received, um, there's a bit, yeah. The government have decided not to revoke the right to at-home abortions, which I think, personally, is an absolute win for women's rights. It, it is very good, and it's a thing now about changing the law so it stays permanently, because at the moment in the UK you have to have an abortion administered by a medical professional. But it's it's a, it's literally a tiny pill, um, it, it's easy to do it from home, and it's taken so much off the load of um, women's health services in the, in the UK, because... I mean, if we all take medication at home, really, how often do you take antibiotics from home, paracetamol from home? Um, anyone with a chronic illness takes all their medications from the home. They don't have to go in. Um, and if they're in hospital, that would get administered by staff. So it makes sense to keep abortion pills at home, and it makes them more accessible. Absolutely, and I think not only would it make it more accessible, but on the whole, it's cheaper, it's easier. I don't know why they're not doing it already. Um, they um, services have said we cannot be clear our services will not cope if our if our ability to provide early abortion care for women at home is removed and I think since the pandemic we've realised how much it helps and how going in for that one tiny pill and former health secretary Matt Hancock changed the rules around abortion at the beginning of the Covid crisis to allow early medical abortions to be sent by the post so it was changed, obviously, to help us when we were in such a big crisis at the start of the pandemic. But we've realised that there's no need for it to go back. I know that some, it's probably not going to be very agreed with people that don't believe in abortion, and especially if they don't believe that abortion is healthcare, because you're now giving it the same standard as at-home healthcare. But honestly, it doesn't really have anything to do with them. Yeah, I, I personally don't even see why it's a problem. Like, like if I was a woman carrying a child, yes, I probably wouldn't have an abortion, and that's just my stance on it, but I don't see why that option should just be denied for the people who would take that. Uh, it's, it's a basic human right to freedom of, well... Bodily autonomy. Exactly, body, bodily autonomy. I've completely forgotten the word there, thank you. And But yeah, it's, it's just perplexing how some people would think that's not a right. Um, The British Pregnancy Advisory Service, which is the UK's largest abortion provider, warned if the current system was to be reverted back, the service would see a 43% um, rise in abortions being carried out after 20 weeks of pregnancy 
and 190 fewer each week. So if women had to go in and weren't able to just get it from home, you would see a lot more late-term or later-term abortions. And no matter what your stance on abortion is, it's much better to deal with the issue earlier because it causes less issue for the mother. It's a lot. It it's a lot more morally right if you can argue that that the time that these women are having these pills is so early on that it's barely stopped being an egg. And if you're getting to twenty week abort twenty week abortions, that's not very good for the mother psychologically and it's a lot more expensive as well on the NHS mm. yeah mm. definitely if you're trying if you're having to perform a lot more you know processes like that um, you know it's just going to be more expensive than a tiny little pill you just pop in the boats what's the issue and, and even like taking a, the argument of just like the morals of abortion completely out of it you got to think the NHS is already quite heavily overburdened with things like COVID and of course it's winter so it's especially bad right now. We're starting to come out of it now but it'll probably get worse as time goes on anyway. And you've got to think, the NHS is already overburdened, it's a much cheaper, much safer alternative. There's no reason to get rid of it and I can definitely say that the government have done a very rare good job with this. Yeah, and it, it also appeases the pro-life uh, argument because they will obviously be strongly against uh, lay abortions. Uh, and if you are pro-life, I'm not pro-life personally. I'm pro-choice, but uh, my opinion on abortion is that it should be it should be greatly encouraged that it be done uh, as early as possible. And it helps appease that kind of audience as well. Absolutely. Um, around half of all abortions are currently performed via telemedicine. So half of all abortions in the UK are done by this uh, system of remote diagnosis and treatment of patients via the phone or video call, and then going to pick it up via their GP. So if you stop this, you're going to double it, and already in a system where um, it unprecedented numbers of staff are self-isolating or absent due to illness. So when these doctors can literally... Or, or really, how often when you go to the doctors are you there for about 20 minutes just sitting there waiting when you could just do it over the phone very quick and then go pick it up rather than having to find and wait everything out and it means that they can they sort of can do it from home if they really need to if they're self isolating and they've got no symptoms they can easily help out 20 minutes is a bit of a low ball don't you think though yeah, I mean fair, there's hours la la last, last time Last time I went to like a doctor slash hospital, it was when I had soft tissue damage in my foot, and completely irrelevant story, but I was waiting there four hours, so imagine a woman who is waiting for an abortion or something, waiting there four hours, imagine what's going through their head, the amount of psychological damage that probably caused. Um, and it's, it also stops, you have the issue of people who protest outside abortion clinics, and even if you're going, because a lot of um, services aren't just abortion. It's not just like a big abortion shop. Like there's <laughs> other services going on. I mean, women, even if they're not going in for the service that these people are telling them they're going to help for, it's still quite psychologically damaging. And if these people are in, because realistically, if you're going to have an abortion, it's because you don't feel like you're capable of keeping the child. 
whether it's because your financial situations, the relationship isn't stable, or you've been sexually assaulted. No matter what all of these reasons why a woman can decide to not keep the child are all valid and that they shouldn't be shamed going in. And these people are relentless with posters and stuff holding, saying that like your baby has this, your baby has that, it's, um, it's gonna do this. And that's really psychologically damaging. So if you can prevent that by doing it from home, I can, I can only see win-wins. Yeah, if you yeah. to the government, which I don't usually say. <laughs> Thank you, Matt Hancock. Matt Hancock. Our favourite. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, right, moving on, I just want to talk about something that is happening over the weekend, of course, Queen's Platinum Jubilee. Quite impressive, actually. 70 years reign. Nice. I'm, I mean, I'm against the monarchy. Yeah. Hey. I mean, regardless of your opinions on the monarchy... Good on her. Yeah. Not only that, but she's she, she she's led with a with integrity and authority throughout the pandemic. So yeah. As much as I'm against the monarchy, it's one, I do it's one thing her you can't. It's one thing you can't actually say about most other monarchies is, even if we might have a bit of a shaky government sometimes, can't really put trust in them. The monarchy, like yes, we've had issues in the lower rungs of the family. Let's be honest. But the Queen herself, I can't really name a single thing she's really done wrong. Yeah, like, to contrast her with someone like Boris Johnson, who has had the Partygate scandals, the period scandals, which I really didn't like. Pandora. Pandora. Scandals, scandals. which everyone moved on from yeah. after. Yeah. Like, scandal after scandal after scandal, and government after government after government. Yeah. The Queen's been ever-present, and she's probably one of the very few figures yeah. and higher up in the UK's sort of administrative groups that isn't really that controversial. Like, some people, yeah, are against the monarchy, but everyone loves the Queen. Yeah, like, my mum my mentioned that she's also against the Queen, but she said that at least the Queen has led with integrity and honesty, and and she she, she says that uh, that she actually quite likes the Queen, even though she's against the monarchy, because she is honest and she can trust what the Queen says. Absolutely. That's all for today. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. I would like to remind you that just before we end, all views expressed on this podcast are the debater's own, does not represent East Norfolk Sixth Form as an institution. Thank you for letting us keep you in the loop. <laughs>